The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, His mercies never come to an end, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for one to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, to put one's mouth to the dust, there may yet be hope, to give one's cheek to the smiter, and be filled with insults. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although He causes grief, He will have compassion according to the abundance of His steadfast love, for He does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. New Revised Standard Version We all face situations, at points in our lives, which cause us to grieve. Grief can and does attach itself to any significant change or loss. Bereavement, divorce, surgery, losing a job, bankruptcy, and a host of adverse circumstances are all, understandably, events bringing grief to our lives. They are unwanted events we did not ask for. Grief can also attach itself to the positive changes of life, for example, moving to a new house in a new area, an empty nest, getting married, having children, or beginning a new job. These all produce grief, even if that loss and change were chosen, anticipated, or necessary. The worst way to approach these grief-producing events is to ignore them, minimize them, say they are simply in the past, stuff the feelings down, and just move on. It's actually unbiblical to take such an attitude because Scripture discerns that we need to lament our losses. We have with lamentations an entire book of the Bible given to lamenting a grievous loss. The prophet Jeremiah was called by God to pronounce judgment against Jerusalem. Not only was Jeremiah commissioned to proclaim a very unpopular message, but he was also given a promise that the people would not listen to him, and that Jerusalem would be destroyed with the people being sent into exile, only compounding Jeremiah's sadness with complicated grief. The prophecy of Jeremiah is a long-extended message of a melancholy messenger preaching exactly what the Lord wanted him to preach. God's words came true. The people did not turn from their empty worship and wayward lifestyles. And they persecuted Jeremiah for speaking words of judgment. The Babylonians came and tore down the walls of Jerusalem, decimated the city and the temple, and carried off the people into exile. Jeremiah, in his grief over the ruined city of Jerusalem, wept and lamented the loss of his hometown and the temple. It was only after an extended lamentation that Jeremiah turned his attention toward the love of God, his compassions becoming new every morning, and the hope of a new existence without Jerusalem at the center of Jewish life. The hope of love, compassion, and new life comes from first lamenting our losses. There are two popular phrases in our culture that need to be jettisoned altogether when speaking with people experiencing change or loss. These phrases, at the least, are not helpful, and, at worst, compound the anger and sadness. 1. Get over it. Can short-circuit the grief process and puts grieving people in the awkward position of not seeing the power of lament through to its end of acceptance, resolution, and fresh hope. Far too many people in the world, and even the church, remain stuck in some stage or level of grief, unable to effectively move through their grief because others expect them to be joyful and triumphant when they really feel downright awful, not to mention now guilty on top of it for being sad. 2. You have to be strong. Is typically said to people who are in a state of weakness. They can't be strong. We would never think of telling someone with broken bones to have the strength to walk or even drive anywhere without assistance. We understand they need to heal. Yet, we tell this to people with broken spirits, and then can't understand why they don't just bounce back from their emotional stupor. That's because they can. Broken spirits, like broken bones, need time to heal. Embracing lament is the pathway to knowing compassion and becoming a compassionate person, like Jesus. Wallpapering over our losses without lamenting them is at the root of many, if not most, of emotional problems today. Jerry Sitzer's, 
a Reformed pastor and professor, wrote an important book entitled, A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. Many years ago, he was driving his family's minivan when a drunk driver crossed the road and hit them head-on. In an instant he watched three generations of his family die in front of his eyes, his mother, his wife, and his daughter. Sitzers writes. Greater than catastrophic loss by definition precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. I did not get over my loved one's loss, rather I absorbed the loss into my life until it became part of who I am. Sorrow took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. Greater than. Greater than Jerry Sitzer's. Nicholas Wolterstorff is a professor emeritus at Yale University. In his book, Lament for a Son, he talks about losing his 25-year-old son to a mountain-climbing accident. He has no explanations, just grief. At one point he expressed a profound insight. Greater than through the prism of my tears I have seen a suffering God. It is said of God that no one can behold His face and live. I always thought this meant that no one could see His splendor and live. But I have come to see that it more likely means that no one can see His sorrow and survive. Greater than. Greater than Nicholas Wolstersturf. We all accumulate many losses over the course of a lifetime. Many are small losses, some are devastating losses. The death of children, disability, sexual assault, abuse, cancer, infertility, suicide, and betrayal are all examples of crushing loss, losses that need to experience lament. All these changes are irreversible. We cannot return to how things once were. We must move through the grief by lamenting each loss. And as we lurch ahead, we cling to the words of Jeremiah that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed and swallowed whole from grief, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. So, how do we lament our losses in a healthy way? 1. Jeremiah remembered his afflictions and his losses. We need to avoid superficial responses to significant events. We must own and feel the pain of the loss before we can begin to see new life. 2. Jeremiah paid attention to faith, hope and love. This can only be done if we are alert to the process of grieving. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was the person who identified the famous five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and resolution or acceptance. We rarely move neatly through each stage. The important thing is that we get to the place of seeing God's committed love to us not just in spite of the suffering but because of it. 3. Jeremiah did not minimize his pain and suffering. We must sit with our pain. Do not dismiss your loss by saying others have it worse, or that it's nothing. Year after year, many Christians do not confront the losses of life, minimizing their failures and disappointments. The result is a profound inability to face pain. And it has led to shallow spirituality and an acute lack of compassion. 4. Jeremiah prophesied about how Jesus grieved. His message predicted what Jesus faced in his passion. The prophet Isaiah described Messiah as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus did not say come on everyone, stop all this crying but wept with the people. When entering Jerusalem, Jesus did not say two bad guys, I'm moving on without you but lamented over the city desiring to gather them as a hen does her chicks. On the cross, Jesus did not say lighten up everyone, God is good, He will be victorious. But instead said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hebrews 5 8 tells us that Jesus learned obedience from what He suffered. Grieving is an indispensable part of a full-orbed spirituality and emotional health. Life does not always make sense. There is deep mystery to the ways of God. The Lord is doing patient and careful work inside of each one of us. While He is busy within our souls, we will likely feel lost and disconnected, not seeing the full tapestry of what He is creating. Weariness, loneliness, 
a sense that prayers are not being heard, and a feeling of helplessness are all common experiences of God's resetting a broken spirit. John Milton's classic piece of literature, Paradise Lost, compares the evil of history to a compost pile, a mixture of decaying food, animal manure, dead leaves, and whatever else you put on it. Yet, if you cover the compost with dirt, after a long while it no longer smells. The soil becomes a rich natural fertilizer and is ideal for growing a garden. But you have to be willing to wait, in some cases, years. Milton's point was that the worst events of history, and the evil we experience are compost in God's overall plan. Out of the greatest wrong ever done, the betrayal, crucifixion, and death of Jesus, came the greatest good, God transformed the stench of evil into good without diminishing the awfulness of that evil. People who have truly lamented their losses are not hard to spot. They are more patient with others with an increased capacity to wait on God. Kinder and more compassionate. Lack pretense and are liberated from trying to impress others. Comfortable with mystery, not having to be certain about every theological minutia. Humble, gentle, and meek. Able to see God not only in the glorious and victorious, but also in the mundane, banal, and lowly. More at home with themselves and with God. Equipped to love others as Jesus did. Maybe we are always running, working, and playing because we are constantly trying to keep grief from catching up to us. Slow down. Let it catch you. Let grief do its deep and powerful work within you. Above painting of Jeremiah, The Weeping Prophet, and the Sistine Chapel by Michelangelo, 1475-1564. Above painting of Jeremiah by Mark Chagall, 1956.